Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. We began this, this new series last Sunday called Miracles, and we laid the foundation of what is and what is not a miracle. We looked at John chapter 2, where Jesus performed the first of his miracles at a wedding in Cana. And throughout the book of John, he refers to the miracles that Jesus performs as signs. All throughout the book of John, they are referred to as signs. And I told you that miracles are signs because miracles point to something beyond themselves. The wedding at Cana was no exception. As insignificant as this first miracle seemed, it defined his relationship with us being his bride. Because the groom was always responsible for the celebration and and for providing the wine. And it was there that Jesus performs his first miracle, solidifying that he is the bridegroom and that one day he is coming to receive his bride. I told you that there are no small miracles with God and there are no small people with God, that God cares about your big problems and God cares about your small problems. And, and I, I want you to understand that if you are here right now and you're listening to me and you have any doubt in your mind that God's concerned about your situation and where you're at. I want you to know God cares. God cares. There are not too many things that I would not do for my kids. The love and concern that I have for them will cause me to do things that I don't necessarily like doing. Uh, I remember one year when, when Caleb was in middle school. I remember we, I, here's what you have to understand. I, I hate Black Friday. I hate Black Friday. It's not anything that I want to participate in. And the only time I've ever participated in Black Friday at all was when Caleb wanted an iPod that was on sale at Walmart. And we had to be there at a certain hour, like 2 a.m. or something, to to make sure that we got this iPod with certain gift cards that, that, that came with it and all this stuff. And so I went with Caleb. I drove my son there. The rest of the family, they were at home sleeping. I drove Caleb to Walmart in Chiefland. We went to Walmart and Chiefland. Didn't even have to stand in line. We just, you know, we, I, I believe we could have probably been there by noon and probably still got the same deal. But I did, did it because I loved my son. He had saved his money. He wanted this deal. And so I did that. The love for my children, it causes me to do things like this. I remember uh, being at Disney World and, and Kendall, when she was younger, I, well, Kendall would still do this today. She wants to meet all the characters, you know. And get her little autograph book stamped, you know, because they can't sign, you know. What do I do with my hands, you know? So they, get, they all get a stamp. And so um, I remember, like, scoping out where the characters would come out. I remember one time we were right in front of Cinderella's castle, and, and Minnie Mouse is scheduled to come out. But where she comes out, this is very important, because the lie will form very quickly. And so I remember watching this, this exit and this exit, trying to figure out which one she's going to come out. And so finally I said, Mandy, you stay here with Kendall. Caleb, you come with me. I don't want to meet Minnie Mouse. You come with me, son. And we go stand on the other side. And sure enough, Minnie Mouse comes out. Uh, we're standing in the front of the line now, and, and, and Mandy and Kendall can come and join us. But I did that all because I, I, I love my daughter. Um, I remember that I wanted to give up coaching basketball two years before I did. And the reason why is because my son was going into his junior year. I just wanted to be a father. But yet some changes were happening to the team. And and I felt like it was important for me to be there in order for him to have a successful season. And so for two years, I I continued to coach and be an assistant coach at the high school just so that my son could, could, could have a good year. 
even today after this service, some point today, because I love her, I am going to load my daughter up and drive her back to Cleveland, Tennessee because she will not drive through Atlanta. And so today I get to drive her back to college all because I'm willing to go to the extreme for my children. And, and that's so minute compared to what some parents and some families have to go through because I watch as some families go to extremes to care for their loved ones who are struggling with some disease or sickness. And I have to tell you, I admire the drive and the tenacity that they have. And I know that because of that desire that they would stop at nothing to see their loved ones healed. I know that. If you're here today and you're praying for a loved one's sickness, keep praying. Because God is listening. Our God is a God of miracles and God is listening. And I'm, I'm convinced that one word from God today can change your tomorrow. I know that. I know one word from God today can change our tomorrows. So I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And as you're turning there, I, wanna, I, I want to kind of catch you up from the text last week. Fast forward a couple of chapters to where we're at today. But let me tell you what happens in between these chapters. After Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, he then travels to Jerusalem to, to be a part of the Passover celebration. He wants to be a part of that festival. And so while he's there, Jesus walks into the temple and, and he doesn't like what he sees. He, he, he makes the statement of, you, you know, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. My, my father's house should be a house of prayer. And he doesn't like the way that the, the money changers are handling things and that, and that they're selling uh, certain uh, blemished animals and so forth and making it easier for people to come in and, 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 and not put any work or any effort behind their sacrifice to God. And so he cleanses the temple. He makes a whip and he drives people out of the temple. Um, also during this time, Jesus, he, he comes in contact with a Pharisee, what they call a ruler of the Jews. This guy's name is, is Nicodemus. And, and after conversation with him, um, he convinces Nicodemus uh, to be converted, to become a believer in Jesus as the Messiah. And, and he says these famous words to, Nic to Nicodemus that, that you know as John 3.16. And he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we get those verses from that conversation. We get that verse from that conversation that he has with Nicodemus. And then Jesus and his disciples go into the Judean uh, countryside and, and there they baptize. And not too far downstream from them, John the Baptist and his disciples are baptizing also. And so they're, they're baptizing people. And, and then he leaves Judea and, and he returns to his home region of Galilee. That would be like us returning back to Alachua County. If you live in Alachua County or, or Levy County or Gilchrist County, wherever you live, that would be like us returning back to that, to that county. And so he returns back to the region of Galilee, but on his way back, Jesus, he, he makes a little pit stop in, in a place called Samaria. And what you have to understand about Samaritans is that they're half Jews and Jews really look down on them. Uh, they, they were not considered uh, 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 classy people at all. They looked down on them. They frowned upon them. Uh, there was a lot of, of discrimination against them as a race. 
But Jesus chooses to stop there, and it's there at a well that he, he, he meets the, the Samaritan woman. And he begins to read her mail. He starts telling her everything about her life and, and the things, the mistakes that she's made. And Jesus is just reading it. And he's just saying, this is where you're at in life. But I can give you living water. And, and so they have this conversation. And she leaves from there. And she goes and she starts telling everybody, he could tell me about my life. There's something special about this man. I believe he's the Messiah. And, and, and they ask him to stay and, and because they really believe he's the one that is going to, to save Israel. And Jesus ends up staying there in Samaria for two days, for two extra days. because And the Bible says that many of them believed just from having conversation with Jesus. And then something very interesting happens in John chapter 4, verse 43. It says, after the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. Now when you read this and you read that, that Jesus realizes that he is not welcome in his hometown and then you you read the very next verse that says they welcomed him it, it kind of sends mixed messages in the interpretation you're you're, you're like what, what does this mean when when, when jesus says uh, that that a prophet has no honor in his hometown but yet they seem to be welcoming him of him and you read this and you think, Jesus, would he really have preferred to stay with people uh, uh, that were considered misfits of society than, than go back to his hometown? Why? Why would Jesus choose to do this? And it's simply, it's simply this, because Jesus was not a magician on display for the world to marvel at. And Jesus understood that the Galileans, that they, they recognized him as just that. That he was some great illusionist, that, that he had a sleight of hand, something that Jesus was doing because they, they, they witnessed this. John chapter 2 verses 23 through 25 tells us exactly what they had seen because many people had made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And, and John chapter 2 tells us, it says, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. In other words, many of the people from Galilee had traveled to Jerusalem like Jesus to celebrate Passover. And apparently while there, Jesus performs these miracles, signs, while he's there in Jerusalem. And these people from his homeland, from his hometown, they seemed very impressed with his abilities. But Jesus could see right through them and was not about to trust them with this. I love to watch magic. I'm letting, I'm letting you in on a guilty pleasure that I have in life. I love magic. I do. I'm easily mesmerized by someone's grand delusions and, and their, their sleight of hand tricks. I love this stuff. And there's, there's this ridiculous TV show that's on TV right now that when I'm flipping through the channels, um, don't judge me on this, okay? But when I'm flipping through the channels, if it's on, I will stop. I do not have my DVR set to record it, okay? But, but it's called Penn and Teller's Fool Us. I don't know if anybody else in the room has, has 
because there's like four of us nerds in the room, and that's okay. Penn and Teller's fool us. And the premise of this show is that Penn and Teller, very well-known magicians, they will sit out in front of the audience facing the stage and, and different aspiring magicians, illusionists, they will come to the stage and they will perform some tricks. And if they can fool Penn and Teller, if Penn and Teller can't tell them how they did it, then they get a chance to be an opening act at Penn and Teller's Las Vegas show. And, and I, just, I just love watching this show. I mean, I don't know why it's cheesy, it's stupid, but, but I just love watching this show because for some reason, I'm mesmerized by magic, by illusions. By sleight of hand. I, I love this kind of stuff. This past summer, we got to see Christian illusionist John Michael Hinton right here in this room. He was here thanks to, to Thrive It and a partnership with them. We were able to have him here for a, a Magic of Faith night. And uh, it, it was pretty amazing. I remember Pastor Jackson and myself, we were over in the coffee shop and, and we were very skeptical. Um, and, and all of a sudden, this guy in the coffee shop starts doing some, some magic tricks right there. And, and we were blown away by it. And so then we start blowing up social media like, you got to get here. You got to see this guy tonight. And I remember I was sitting right over here in this section, right over here. And the guy does some stuff on this stage. And I'm like, that's devil stuff right there. That's <laughs> devil stuff. That's crazy. I remember being a kid and watching David Copperfield on TV. Anybody remember David Copperfield? Yeah. I remember watching him on TV and watching his TV specials and, and some of the stuff just amazed me. Remember when he walked through the Great Wall of China? It wasn't as spectacular after he did it, but man, you know, the hype building up to that. I, I remember when he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. Oh, go Google it. You got to see this. You got, you got to check this stuff out. There was one time when he made a seven-ton jet disappear. And then there was another time when he was floating over the Grand Canyon. And it was just amazed me as a, as a child. It was impressive, but as impressive as it was, I was not about to put my life in his hands. As impressive as it was, I realized it was all just an illusion. I'm wowed by this stuff, but I have no faith in it whatsoever. And what you have to understand about Jesus is that Jesus was not interested in wowing the crowd. Jesus was not interested in getting his ego stroked. He didn't need a pat on the back. Because he understood there was so much more at stake. Jesus only performed miracles for two reasons. The first one was to display his kingdom to the world, that he was the Messiah. That's the first reason why. The second reason why is because he would see someone with a, a legitimate need in their life and he would want to meet that need. In Galilee, they were impressed with his tricks, but they could not believe. I mean, after all, this was the carpenter's son. Joseph and Mary raised this boy. They remember going down to order a, you know, a, a new dining room table and some chairs and little Jesus playing around the feet of, of Joseph there, just getting in the way. Yeah, he grew up to be an exceptional young man, and he's got some nice tricks up his sleeve, but, but we don't believe he's the Messiah. And that's why Jesus would make statements like, a, a prophet is without honor in his hometown, because they were never going to believe that he was the Messiah. But for some reason, Jesus travels on into Galilee, back into his home region, there's something that has to happen there, even though they won't believe that they're only interested in his, in his tricks. There's something that is about to happen in Galilee, and Jesus must get there. 
Verse 46. John chapter 4, verse 46. So he came, he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Ju Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. This man's son was at the point of death. And the response of Christ seemed so disrespectful in that moment. I know from, from hospital visitations throughout the years as a pastor, there's certain things you say and certain things you don't say when you're at the hospital visiting someone who is deathly sick. And Jesus looks at this father that is so concerned about his son that he has traveled 17 miles just because he heard Jesus was there. Now this isn't like us traveling 17 miles. This is 17 miles on foot. And Jesus responds to this father's heart's cry and says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. What you have to understand here is that Jesus is not talking to just this particular father. He addresses the comment to him, but around him there are many other people that are there to see the tricks, there to see the sleight of hand, or at least what they think are tricks and sleight of hand. And he looks at them, and the word you there in the original Greek is plural, and he says, unless you, it would be like us saying you all, or y'all. Y'all just want to see signs and wonders. If you don't see signs and wonders, y'all won't believe. That's what Jesus says. Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And he's telling the Galileans that they don't have a deep faith, that they just like to see the tricks, that they are so shallow in their faith, and that they don't see him as the Messiah. Now listen, church, don't you ever pray this prayer, that God, if you will just, just give me a sign, then, then, then I'll trust you. God, if you'll just give me a sign, then I'll be a believer. God, if you will just do this, then I'll believe this. Because signs will not make you a believer. Because this generation that walked and talked with Jesus, they had more signs than any other generation. They got it firsthand. They got to see it. But yet they were the ones that were less repentant. They were the ones that refused to believe that he was the Messiah and they would not embrace it. So why, why would Jesus leave Samaria after spending two days with people that were so receptive to, to him being the Messiah? Why would he leave those people to go back to Galilee where they just want to see signs? That's it. Why would he leave those people and go to a, to, to a, a region where all they want are signs? And the answer is very simple. 
Because one man had a very sick son. This shows you the God that we serve. This shows you how, how Jesus is, that he's not about himself, but he's always about giving his life for others. That's the Jesus that we serve. That he could have stayed there and he could have heard all the wonderful things of how they believe he is the Messiah, but he chooses to walk away from that to go to a place where all they want to do is, is watch the miracles that he performs. They just want to see the signs. That's it. And he shows up there all because one man has a very sick son. And Jesus doesn't even leave that location to go and lay hands on the boy. You, you would think that that was the case. And many times he does that during scripture. But he doesn't even leave that location he doesn't even need to see the boy face to face. And he does in that moment what only God can do. Understand this. Only God can do this. He speaks. That's all he does. In that moment, Jesus simply speaks and he says, go. Your son will live. And at that moment, 17 miles away in Capernaum, that man's son is healed. We just need a word from God is all we need, church. The reason why we're not seeing miracles is because we're not hearing the voice of God. We just need to hear a word from God. That's all that we need. Hebrews 4 and 12 tells us, for the word of God is alive and powerful. God's word is alive and powerful. And when Jesus said those five words, go, your son will live. Unstoppable life that spoke the heavens and, and the earth into existence. That unstoppable life. It shot out of, uh, out of Cana and it landed in Capernaum. And it hit that boy so hard that, that, that the sickness had no other choice but to give up. Because when God speaks... The hopeless become hopeful. When God speaks sickness, it has to flee. When God speaks, nothing becomes something. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How did he do it? Let there be light. When God speaks, nothing becomes something. And there is more power in one word from God than everything the enemy has said, is saying, and will say about you. You understand that, right? That there is more power in one word from God than what the enemy has said, is saying, and will say about you. And it's interesting to me that, 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 that this man, how he responds to the words of Christ. Because here's what I'm thinking. If Jesus says, go, your son will live. I'm thinking at that moment that, that I'm going I'm to get up as quick as I can. And I'm running 17 miles back to Capernaum. That's what I think. But that's not how this father Responds, And this is so interesting to me because I imagine that when this man heard that Jesus was back in Galilee, that he made a beeline for Cana. I, I imagine that, that people had a hard time keeping up with him. Anybody that was traveling with him, 
And he was a royal official. And so there were other people traveling with him. I, in my mind, now this is not scriptural. This is, this is Rocky's translation, okay? In my mind, this guy, when he hears Jesus is in Cana, he cannot get there fast enough. 17 miles on foot. It, he, he, it's like running a marathon to him. He's all out. He's, he's getting there. Time was of the essence because he had a son that was about to die. But after Jesus tells him that his son will live, the Bible says that he believed. But for some reason, he's not in a hurry to get there so quickly. 17 miles back to Cana, back to his home where his son is at, or, or from Cana back to Capernaum, back to where his son is at. They tell me the average human walks one mile in about 20 minutes. Now, I know some of you that you like to run. Uh, Pastor Andrew recently preached a sermon talking about his dislike for running. I will just say I'm, I'm in that same camp. Um, if it takes the average person about 20 minutes to walk one mile, then it would have taken... It would have taken this guy about 340 minutes to walk back to Capernaum. At just a normal person's pace, that's about, it's a little over five and a half hours for him to get from Cana back to Capernaum. Five and a half hours, that's it. Now today I will drive six and a half to seven hours, drive six and a half to seven hours to take my daughter back to school. Some moments on the interstate, I will go faster than other moments. Five and a half hours to see the results of the words that Jesus spoke over your son. But when he's arriving, servants come out to meet him. And they say, your boy's getting better. He said, what? He said, when, when did this happen? And they said, yesterday. You're a day late. You could have been back in five and a half hours and a whole day has passed and you're just now getting back to Capernaum. And he said, when did this happen? They said, yesterday at about the seventh hour, which is about 1 p.m. And the guy thinks for a moment, he says, huh. At about 1 p.m. is when Jesus said, go, your son will live I don't know about you, church. This just strikes me a little strange that it takes him so long to get home. I like Amazon Prime. I, I do. It's amazing to me. My staff laughs at me because I call Amazon Amazon Prime, but I don't order unless it's Amazon Prime, usually. And the fact that they, they get things to me so quickly, often the next business day, if it is actually an Amazon Prime item, you know, that... Often the next business day, they can get it to me and, uh, and for free, just for being, you know, paying the membership fee, they, they get it to me. And this is unbelievable to me. But there are those times when they just don't get it right. 
They say it's going to be there. And even when you place the order, they tell you. But somehow something happens. I don't know if it's in the warehouse or, or whatever. And, and it's, 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 this, it's their own sleight of hand, I think. And, and, and they get it there when it's going to get there. And you just watch it and it just ships later, you know. And, and, and this happened with me. Uh, with the solar eclipse, we, we had to be up in Tennessee anyway. And we were going to be right in line with, with where the eclipse was coming across the nation. And so I ordered solar glasses. Call me a nerd. But... Don't call me out nerd out loud. I have sensitive feelings. But I, I, I ordered these glasses off Amazon Prime. And, <laughs> and, and so I, I ordered these glasses. They're supposed to be there, you know, within like two days. And, and they, they're not coming. And, and I ordered them a couple of weeks in advance, but they're not showing up. And, and I keep watching. I keep watching. The order's in. They haven't shipped. They're coming from China. And they haven't shipped. They haven't shipped. They haven't shipped. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to get them. And now people are running out of glasses everywhere. And, and I'm trying to find some, some glasses. But I've already paid for these on Amazon Prime. And, and so I, I, I would need these glasses to come. And so finally it shows that they ship, but it doesn't give me an arrival date. And, and the day is getting close for us to, to get there. And I'm checking the P.O. box. I'm checking it over and over and over. And, and they're not showing up. They're, they're never there. And the, the day that we are supposed to leave... I go to the box and I stand there and I don't want to open it because what if I open it and they're not there? But I checked Amazon Prime and it said that they had been delivered. But I don't want to open the box because I don't want to be disappointed. Long story short, or long story longer, I, I open it and there they are, and I have these horrible, horrible, cheap glasses that I waited way too long on. We were able to somewhat enjoy the, the eclipse, but sometimes in my faith, I'm that same way. That God said it. I can stand on his word, but for some reason, I just don't want to open the box because I'm so afraid that I'm going to be disappointed with God. I mean, what if he doesn't heal this? What if he doesn't do that? He knows what this means to my life. What if he does it? And sometimes in my disappointment, I would just rather not know. And I feel like that father in the Bible in, in, in Mark chapter 9 that he told Jesus, he said, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Like, God, I know you can but I'm just not sure you did. And it does my heart some good that God is not limited by my delays and God is not limited by my anxiety because he wasn't limited by that father's delay and he wasn't limited by his anxiety because the scripture tells us that at 1 p.m., the seventh hour of, of, of their day, at 1 p.m., at the exact same time that Jesus said, go, your son will live, at that exact same moment, even though dad is taking his time to get there, before he ever steps one foot on that journey to go back to Capernaum, at that exact moment, that boy's fever left. Go back and read it. It didn't gradually leave. The Bible says that at 1 p.m., at that exact moment Jesus spoke, 
the fever left. Don't forget what I told you last week. His signs, his miracles, they always point to something beyond the miracles themselves. Beyond the miracle itself, it always points to something beyond. And in our text today, it told us what it pointed towards. This man and his whole household believed. This man and his whole household believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They were not just interested in his tricks. They believed in Jesus. This tells me something about us. When it comes to the miracles that God wants to do in our lives, it's got to speak to someone besides us. It's got to go beyond just our immediate need. How have you aligned your life up to where when God does perform the miracle, that people start believing? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.